continue in a series that we're just simply calling Be Moved. Uh, last week, we talked about how everybody is moved by something. That uh, the person who is enslaved to an addiction, uh, that person is moved by that addiction. It controls their life. Uh, we talked about other things, hobbies, you know, issues that drive people, that move them. And we concluded when we talked last week that ultimately, as followers of Christ, our, our passion should be to be in Christ and live in him and move and exist because of what's inside of us. To, to not be circumstantially controlled by external factors, the things that are happening around us, to have what scripture calls peace. The peace that passes all understanding. To, to have that kind of peace so that when bad things happen, there, there's nobody here that gets a free pass. Everybody here has had bad stuff. Most of you have had bad stuff happen to you this last week. But our response, it really comes down to this. Do we act or do we react? And if we act, we are being moved. We are being moved by the Holy Spirit who lives within us, the Spirit of Christ. Now, today, Pastor Jason, we're going to talk about how compassion. And, and I'm, I'm going to give you insights today through a, a passage in Scripture uh, that's going to tie together love and family and sacrifice. But all, all of those ideas are encapsulated in a story in the Bible that, that took place about 3,000 years ago. Uh, the, the key players are moms. When, uh, when you read 1 Kings chapter 3, chapter 3 verses 17 through 27, they really define how love and family can cause you to be moved. They, they give you insights into this main driver within us, which should be within us, which is not always within us. But the story in 1 Kings chapter 3, it's a story that is most commonly known not as a Mother's Day passage. In fact, I've never used this on a Mother's Day, over 40 years. Uh, I don't know anyone else who's ever used this as a Mother's Day passage. But yet in, in the heart of this passage, in 1 Kings chapter 3, you see two mothers. And in these two mothers, you see two different paths. You, you ultimately see how love for family can move you. You see how compassion and love can cause you to do things that are extraordinary. And so anytime I talk on Mother's Day and we're going to be done in plenty of time to go right into a baby dedication, I find myself realizing that not, not, everyone, not everyone had the same mother. Uh, there's, there's a reality that I want to talk about just briefly so that we can put this in context. When, when you were dealt your mom, and I know we, I've said this before, but you know, sometimes parents say, you know, they say they didn't get to pick us. Well, we didn't get to pick them either. And the, the truth is, there's some here today, and this is actually Mother's Day. I've talked to people who said, Pastor Ed, it's a hurtful 
It's, it's a hurtful moment for me. I've had people tell me Father's Day is very hurtful because the hand you were dealt, the mother or father you had, was not the kind of mother we're going to talk about today. Actually, there's two in the story. Maybe your parents were more like the downside of parenthood. And, and so if you're here, and, and that is true, can I, I want to tell you two, two insights to help you. First is, it's not fair. You know, I, I wish everybody could have had my mom because, you know, although she wasn't perfect, man, she, she truly personified a, a sacrificial, loving mother, a, a mother of compassion. But not, not everybody had that, my, that kind of mom. And so the first thing I want you to understand is that according to scriptures, the closer people, we as individuals get to God, the more we radiate, the more his love can flow through us. And on the other side of that coin, the further we get away from God, the more we behave without love as the main driver. I don't don't know if, it doesn't mean they're, they're, they're terrible or evil people, but the closer you are to God, the more his love radiates, the further people get away from God, the more they do things that are hurtful and, and painful. There's a second thought to explain this that, that I think is really important, that God is sovereign and he loves every one of us, whether you got dealt the mom of the year uh, or you didn't, God still loves you. And, and there is a real opportunity. If you did not have the mom of the year as your mother, I, I want you to know she, she is still your mother and deserves your, your honor and your love. But take this away. The things you learned that you felt like were hurtful, go to school on that. Take note of that. Determine that you will be the generation that will break the cycle of hurtful behavior. Maybe your mom was being moved by an addiction. Maybe your mom had problems which were not poor choices, but an organic problem, chemical imbalances, things that that was a bad hand dealt to her. All that to say this, if you are a a child of God, you can learn even from hurtful things, painful things, and you can use those hurts to be a help to somebody else because you, by God's grace, have overcome that hurt. You've chosen not to be a victim, but to move forward and be a victor and, and not allow that hurt to define you. And you can break the cycle. You can break the chain there uh, of this generational stuff because more times than not, this is generational. And if you break the cycle, you can be to your kids, moms, what you wish you had as a mom. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful ideal and a great possibility and something that we as Christians have as a possibility. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 3, there's a lengthy passage of scripture here. Uh, I am not going to read it in its entirety, but in your your notes, if you want to just take a moment and circle 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 17 through 27, uh, I I hope, I'm really encouraging you strongly. Go back and read the story. This, This story, this narrative is dramatic. It is amazing. It is capture your attention. It is a great storyline about two moms. I'll give you a synopsis. Two mothers, both with a 
spurious background, both uh, with checkered pasts, both much not to be proud of. Both of them find themselves pregnant from working their trade. They were both prostitutes. They shared a home together. In that home, both of them delivered babies just a few days apart. And in delivering babies in that home with no one else there, uh, there was no one there to really watch it all happen. But a tragedy took place. One mother rolled over on top of her baby. The baby died. Tragic within itself. The heartache of that, the pain of that with this mother. But rather than grieve, she did something devious. She took the dead baby and traded out the live baby from the other woman, taking the live baby into her arms. Now, come on, that, that, that storyline is, is amazing. And, and normally, this storyline is used and given because in 1 Kings chapter 3, the, the first part of that chapter talk about Solomon and how he chose wisdom. When God said, hey, Solomon, I'm going I'm to deal the deck here. You can have anything you want. You know, a lot of people will say, well, golly, give me money. Give me, give me riches. Give me fame. Give me wealth. Give me good health. But Solomon didn't say any of those things. Solomon just simply said, God, I have this great burden of leading your people, your chosen people, the, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. God, I need wisdom. I need your help to do this. And, and God was so pleased with that, that request that he gave him all the other stuff as well. But here in the second half of that chapter is our story of the two mothers. Because this is an example. It's often used. It's not thought of as a Mother's Day story. It is given as an example of how incredibly wise Solomon was. Because Solomon found a scenario that he was able to put into play in order to find out who the real mother was. This is, this is tough. This would have been impossible. I don't know about you. Kids sometimes look up at you, angelic faces, and you look at them and you think, man, they, they can't be lying. They just can't be lying. They're, I mean, I, I didn't bring kids into this world that are pathological liars. And, you know, I remember when uh, our two daughters, one morning getting ready to leave the home, Kathy said something like, hey, be sure you drink your milk. And one of the daughters said, done, mom, got up and left the table. The other one, who always drank her milk, looked at her glass of milk, and she said, what? I drank my milk. It's full again. Now, unless a cow walked through the room and somebody milked it, something funny happened. And, and so we knew one daughter did not like milk. The other one always drank her milk. In fact, the one that always drank her milk was up here in the mother's song, okay? So just to let you know how this plays out. And, you know, you moms are amazing people. You know, we did the... The, 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 you think the Spanish Inquisition was tough. Getting through a mom's Inquisition trying to find out who's telling the truth, that's serious stuff. So Kathy went to work, and she didn't break Mindy's sister then. Uh, it was about a month later. That's the other thing. You guys never give up. And a month, a month later, she had broken her over something else, 
And, and, and at the very end, you guys are diabolical because she said, and, and you, you didn't drink all your milk. You poured it into Mindy's glass. And she said, yes, I did. <laughs> she was broken. And, and yet you look in the face of, of this beautiful child related to you. And that's generally why they do lie. They're related to us, okay? And you just can't hardly tell who's lying. Can you imagine the the challenge King Solomon had? Two mothers, both pouring their heart out. What was his solution? And it's going to sound cruel. This is going to sound brutal, violent. This is Game of Thrones violent. He says, give me a sword. They brought him a sword. You can read this blow by blow. I want somebody to cut that baby in half, and I want you to give half to each mom. We'll settle this. Each of them get half. What happened? You see, Solomon had wisdom. He knew what would happen. The real mother stepped forward and said, stop, stop, stop. Let the, let, let the other person have this baby. Solomon immediately stepped forward and said, time out. We just figured this thing out. The real mother does not want the child's death. Are you with me on this story? There's a couple of lessons here from this about motherhood. And I want to share them with you right now because they are important. They translate to right here and now. They have to do with what's in us, the compassion, the love that is within us. And they have everything to do with the thing that moves us. So number one, I'm going to give you two lessons from this. They're very brief. Here it is. Family love moves you to never give up. What, what do I mean by that? Here, quite simply, let, let me read you the scripture. I told you I wouldn't read all those verses, but verses 17 and 18 says, Please, my Lord, one of them began, This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three day, days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There are only two of us in the house. Now, in order for this woman who was appealing the case, the mother whose baby was stolen, this is the woman who had her baby taken away. She had to go through a whole process that would get her in front of the king. Uh, just kind of think of it this, this way. Everybody knows what the Supreme Court is. That's the last place where the final ruling is made. There are lower courts. There are people who hear the case. And that happened. There's not really a timeline here in, in this story. But we know it had to have taken a little time. You just don't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go make an appeal to the king. They had to work their way through a series of appeals. And finally, this woman is standing in front of the king because she wouldn't give up. She was a mom. She had compassion in her heart for her child. She loved her child. I just love this story because she never, ever gave up. I, um, I'm going to tell you, this translates into so many things in life. We learn this from our mothers. I, I look back at my mom and, you know, mom of six kids, I'm the oldest of six, and, and how she worked and, and labored for, even for a number of years as a, a mail care carrier. And how she would, you know, run home, take her lunch break to put dinner in the crock pot and then right back out on the mail route and beat her body up, two knee replacements. And those of you that know the labor and the work and the postal service, you have a deep respect for it. But my mom never quit, never gave up. 
she was a woman of short words. When she said, get a hair cut, you knew she meant get a hair cut. And she just had a simple habit. If you didn't cut, get it cut within 24 hours of her saying, she would come in while you were sleeping and she would cut it. <laughs> Literally. You woke up, there's hair all over your pillow. That only happens a couple of times. This was a mom who meant business, but she never quit. That's why I'm asking the question. It's in your notes. Do you have enough compassion? Do you have enough love to overcome the struggles that cause others to quit? This applies to, to your marriage, to your work, to really every aspect of life. We live in a world where easy way out seems to be the choice of a lot of people. But love, if you have the love of God in you, it will move you to compassion, to love, to be willing to overcome the struggles that cause other people to quit. This is the kind of love that moves us to pray for our families. It's the kind of love and compassion that causes us not to quit in our marriage. It's the kind of love that moves you to love like Jesus. When we say be moved, we're talking about what's in you that moves you. Let, let me share with you, I was thinking of Mother Day, Mother's Day quotes, and I found this actually by accident, but I love it. It's from Mother Teresa. It's not how much we give, but how much love we put in to giving. And the reason I, I thought that was so perfect is because most of us, when it comes to what is in us and what comes out, we take shortcuts to try and show our love. We try to do it through things, material possessions. And this is true as, as a parent. I've watched parents who try to buy their kids' loves, their kids' love. I've seen people in relationships try to buy the favor of their spouse. When Mother Teresa just kind of spelled it out, it's not how much we give, not how expensive it is, but how much love we put into the giving. It's all about love. Uh, this last week, many of you that have been around here a while, you, you know that our church experienced a real loss here on uh, April 22nd, about 20 so days ago, uh, a man named Calvin McNutt fell in a home, an accident up in a tree trimming a branch, and he never regained consciousness. I don't remember what day it was, but I... I uh, I went by the hospital early one morning, and as I peeked intensive care through the curtain, getting ready to go in, I stopped and I just watched for a while. I saw Gail, uh, Calvin's wife, 47 years. I saw her sitting in a chair next to him. He is in a bed, in a coma. He would never regain consciousness. We did his funeral yesterday. And over that 20 days, God was... You know, we prayed God would raise him up if it was his will, but what God was really doing was showing the family and those of us that love Calvin, God was showing us that we needed to let him go, that he was far better off, that he did not need to wake up to the pain and suffering that was certain to come. But I looked through that slit and I saw a wife of 47 years and I saw her sitting in the chair. She had reached up and grabbed his hand. She had placed her head on his shoulder and she had spent the night there, all night, never moved, beside his side. And I thought, what an amazing picture of compassion and love 
and not giving up. Uh, Y'all, what does it take to make you give up and quit? You know, once you quit, it's easier to quit the next time. Our son, David, I remember the first time he wanted to quit something. He was five years old. He was his first sports organized team. He was playing soccer. We lived in Florida. The temperature was 97 degrees. It was no, there were no clouds in the sky. It was a blue sky. And about halfway through the game, I looked over across the field. If you ever watch five, how many of you ever watch five-year-olds play soccer? Would you raise your hand? It looks like there's a magnet in the ball and a hive of bees just swarm the ball and the ball moves and they all just move to, there's no passing, you know, there's just, just, and he's running around the field and, and suddenly he comes running off the field. Game's still going on. This is not a timeout. Comes right up to his mother. He says, Mom, I, I have to quit. It's way too hot out there. <laughs> and he went to his mom because moms, you guys have more compassion, right? And, and he looked at me, looking for me to affirm that decision that he had made as a five-year-old. And I picked him up and I drop-kicked him back onto the field, okay? <laughs> and I just said, we don't quit in our family, so get back out there. And he did, and, and he never quit anything after that. But all that, that silly story, just to say, this defines us, you guys. What does it take to make you to quit? If you have Christ in you, if you have God's love in you, there'll be a compassion that will not let you quit in the matters of love. And you say, it's hard. You don't know what I'm putting up with. You don't know my problems. It's a question. What does it take? Allow God to give you a loving, compassionate heart that moves you. Next, number two. Let me kind of wrap it up with this. Family love moves you to sacrifice what you want for the good of another. I see this in the story. Here's the two mothers. You know, Solomon makes his decision. Yeah, get a sword, chop them in half. Does this mother want her child back? It's pretty obvious she does. She's gone through this process to get her child back. But when Solomon makes his decision, this mother immediately says, no, 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 stop. Don't, don't do this. Give the baby to the other woman. This is not the baby's mother. What is she doing? She's sacrificing what she wants for the good of another. In this case, it was her child. I believe the love of Christ in you because that's, that personifies the life of Christ. He left heaven to come to the sin-cursed world. He left the comfort and the adoration of angels to come and be spit on and beaten. He was moved out of love and compassion for us and he came and sacrificed himself for our good, not for his good. And, and that's, that, def, that should define us. If the love of Christ is in you, then you will be moved by that kind of compassion. The, the scripture, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 26, then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman, now, now here is, the personification of evil. The other woman said, all right, he will neither be yours nor mine. Divide him between us. You see, sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you blind. It takes away your humanity. And, and, and this mother is willing to watch a child die because she's hurting so much inside. You see, moms, this kind of love sacrificing for the good of their kids. They do it every day. We need to learn that lesson. 
And so using moms as our example, here's my next question for you. It's in your notes. Have I been moved to sacrifice my desires to help others reach theirs? When we say be moved, we're asking the question, are we moved to the extent that we are willing to sacrifice? If you're a giver, you know, there's two kinds of people in life. There's takers, there's givers. And if you are a giver, and I'm not just talking about giving an offering, but you give of your time, you give of your energy, you give of your gifts. I put in today's, uh, you know, when you came in, you got a, a little trifold flyer that says, welcome to the dream team. We're going to be talking. These are not all of our volunteer teams, but they're the ones we want to focus on in the next few weeks as we make our move into our new home. But my goal, and I've said this and I'm going to keep saying it, my goal is of the 500 people who signed the charter, who signed the covenant, said I want to be a charter member of, of Connect Church. My prayer is that all 500 of us will be a part of a ministry team. Why? Because we have been moved to sacrifice our time, our talents, our resources to help others reach their potential, to help others find Christ. I uh, have one more quote for you. Helen Steiner Rice, I'm a big fan of her. I know that may not sound real macho, but I just love her. A mother's love is something no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion, sacrifice, and pain. It is endless, unselfish, and enduring. Come what may. For nothing can destroy it or take that love away. This, this just spells out what I think God wants to put in us. A mother's love. A mother's love who is willing to put the needs of others ahead of their own. It is so important today as we, we start getting ready to be moved to a new location that we allow God to move us first. I'm going to ask you to do something with me right now. Would you stand just briefly? Would you stand together? If you're one of the parents here today that, that are dedicating your child to the Lord, and if you do not have your child with you now, please dismiss yourself and work your way to the back and, and, and maybe some of you are further to the back and go ahead and, and uh, if you would, uh, go fetch that perfect little bundle of joy uh, that's going to be a perfect little angel the next few moments and not cry when we get them all together. But I, I want to take a moment as you're making your way out and, the, and we're getting the kiddos ready to bring them in, I, I just want to ask a, a hard question of all of us here today. Are you moved by the kind of compassion that moved Christ? Scripture says about Jesus when he saw people who were hurting, they were described in Scripture as people like sheep without a shepherd. The Bible says he was moved to compassion. And the shortest verse in the Bible, you know, Jesus was brokenhearted. He wept over those who had burdens and needs. Because that was in him. That's what moved him. That's what moved him to the cross. If you get honest with yourself and admit that you've at times gotten hard and cynical and cold and you don't like what you see when you see in the mirror, I've got a fix for you. I've got a solution for you. It is the love of Christ in your heart. Get into his word. Put more of his truth in you. Spend more time with him. You know, it's said we become more like the people we hang around with. Spend more time with Jesus. 
It begins with a relationship. It begins by knowing him. It begins by inviting him into your life. And so if you're here today and you've never been born again, we're going to ask you to bow with us. Would you bow for prayer right now? Heads are bowed. No one's looking around. I'm going to have the, the families go ahead and make, start making their way down to the front here. But listen, if you're here and you've never been born again, there's never going to be a better time right now. Simply cry out and say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and my life and save me today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Repent, tell him you're sorry, and ask him to save you. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Help this to be a moment of awakening and awareness as to what's in us and what comes out of us. Help us to be moved by compassion, by love, by concern and care for others, by love for our human families, but also for love for our spiritual families. Help us to love one another, Jesus, as you do. Now, Lord, in this next couple of moments, I pray you will be pleased that these families that are here today who are being a part of this, I pray in Jesus' name that you will honor and bless their willingness to dedicate their children to the Lord today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.